Hello everyone, this is Kelly from the future, and as we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode, we recorded this two weeks ago. Today is August 25th, which means two days ago, Jacob Blake was shot by police in Wisconsin. And I personally felt like it was really important that we say something in this moment. It seems like we just did this. We just started fighting for George Floyd and continued to fight for other black lives that weren't as lucky as Jacob Blake. But regardless, we still continue to be attacked by the police. We still continued to be shot for no good reason. And so, um, I just thought it was important to, to say that it's important to fight for black lives even when they aren't killed. It's important to, to fight for black mental health and black dreams and the ability to live a full life not just the ability to live, but the ability to just be a person in this world. So before we start this episode, I just want to take a moment of silence for all the the pain that Black people are having to relive right now as yet another person is brutalized by the police. So, thank you for that. And I hope as you you listen to this episode, remembering that this was two weeks ago and know that we, this would have been something we talked about, and this would have been something at the forefront of our minds. Um, Yeah. So, Black Lives Matter, and the fight is not over. Not at all. Welcome, welcome back to Our Soul, your reproductive rights and faith and justice podcast in this space, in this place. My name is the Reverend Terry Williams, and I'm here with Kelly Fox. We are Ohio RCRC, that's Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, Ohio RCRC Faith Organizers. We organize people of faith. We we would organize the faiths, but uh, they're already kind of hopelessly <laughs> disorganized and, and it's all kind of free range right it's free range out there um so this podcast is being recorded like two weeks two weeks in the past because yours truly myself 
is uh, going on vacation because we believe in vacation. Vacation is a spiritual value. Yes. Uh, self-care is a spiritual Very value, important. and we, we try to support that. Um, as I'm going on vacation this last week... Uh, it was just kind of a kind of a down week in between some projects for us, and I decided to put up uh, some interesting stuff on our social media. Uh, we often have conversations with people around theological understandings of abortion, and one of the phrases that we often use and often say is "abortion is a blessing." Because we do believe abortion is a blessing at Ohio RCRC. We believe abortion is something that's good and holy and it is compassionate health care. Yes. Um, so we, we just did up a little, uh, about a four or five uh, piece graphic explaining what we mean when we say abortion is a blessing. And it got so much great, great, great traffic. People were really excited to see it, really excited um, to, you know, click through it, share it with their friends. And then we started getting a little bit of not-so-great traffic. It turns out not everybody believes that abortion is a blessing because some people like to throw their own theological beliefs around onto other people. Um, and it's kind of fascinating to me uh, in this process, uh, you know, just stating something very simple. Abortion is a blessing. Abortion has been a blessing in my life, in the lives of uh, people who I love and people who I care about. I guarantee abortion has been a blessing in the life of someone you love because someone you love has had an abortion and uh, has had an abortion that allows them to have the kind of life that they envision and they want and a life full of choice and freedom and agency. Um, it's fascinating to me, though, the amount of vitriol that some people give when we use phrases like abortion is a blessing or when we say things like we're pro-abortion, right? Yeah, like I, I've only been working for Ohio RCRC in a official well no i mean like in any capacity um since february and this is like pretty much the first time that i have like firsthand seen so many people getting get really upset about like what i see as a perfectly good like on brand with everything else we say like uh statement about abortion being a blessing and how and, and it's a good explanation about how abortion is a blessing as well. Um, I mean, I'll if you don't mind, I'll, like, read it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, go ahead. Read okay. So it says, abortion is a blessing. It's like a book. <laughs> Sometimes we hear people say, no one is pro-abortion, but that's just wrong. We are pro-abortion, pro and so are millions of other people. As people of religious faith, we aren't pro-abortion despite our faith. We are pro-abortion because of our faith. We come from many faiths and we share a common belief that people having agency over their bodies is both holy and good. Abortion isn't something that most people of faith fear or shun. Abortion is something that we celebrate. Loud voices on the corner claiming to speak for God and for all people of faith, remember... We've got your back. Abortion is a blessing, and so are you. Wow. Right? 
So that simple. That makes me feel warm and cozy inside. So simple and so straightforward. And, you know, it's fascinating because we can see all the, the social media statistics broken out by whatever uh, particular graphic panel uh, was up. The things that, that are drawing the most affirmation are the statement, abortion is a blessing. And, of course, that, that last statement, we've got your back. Lots of people, um, you know, really feeling that deeply that uh, that affirmation the parts of that uh that dialogue piece that are causing uh the negative reactions are the spaces where we talk about you know most people of faith are not anti-abortion you know most people of faith see abortion as a blessing so many you know self-proclaimed religious people are mad about that because they think that the louder they yell and the louder they scream, that the more of them there are. Well, we know as a fact that vast majorities, vast majorities of the electorate in the United States support choice. Vast amounts of the American public who are people of faith support choice. It's this very small, very loud sliver of well-funded hucksters that are out yelling at patients on the corner and screaming and holding these doctored up photos of uh, you know, medical procedures that give all these folk a bad name, going into uh, clinics and setting bombs. You know, we have seen uh, bombs set, arson, uh, even, uh, you know, here 10 years ago, um, a murder inside of a church of, you know, Dr. George Tiller, God rest his soul, who was murdered inside his Lutheran church um, on a Sunday while he was, he was uh, attending to religious services. All that anger and vitriol from a very, very small number of people who clothe their objections in religious garb and then try to project that onto everybody else. They're so mad that there's an alternative. They're so mad that people of faith dare proclaim what we all know is true, which is we don't agree with their agenda. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't agree with their, their myopic view, their small-minded view of God, because we believe that God is something much bigger. And that God is blessing the world through choice and agency, you know? And also God is just, like, very diverse in the way that God um, gives blessings. Like, for one person, abortion is a blessing. And for another person, uh, having a pregnancy to term is a, pre is a blessing. Like, it's just people's lives do not all have to look the same. And this idea that everybody has to have the same idea around what they want and what is a blessing for them um, is ridiculous. And I, I just don't understand why, why like, <laughs> the idea of an alternative is so right. upsetting to people. I mean, like, um, my thoughts are, uh, like, as, as a person, myself, who has opinions, um, I thoroughly, obviously, disagree with people who are antis. I don't want them to have the power over my reproductive rights. But I cannot stop them from thinking the way that they do. I, I'm not going to try because it's not worth it to stop them from thinking the way they do. My thing is, I just don't want them to have control over something that 
is not their problem. Um, and they, on the other hand, they are upset that I think differently than, than you do. They want to do everything they can to change uh, my thinking. So it's the same as what they have. And they want to stop me from doing things that I want to do because they think is wrong. And see, and that's the issue. Just, the, yeah. the trying to, not just trying to stop you, but trying to force you to not have yeah. the option. I I think of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always a food person. Kelly already knows this about me, but for those of you who don't know, I'm a food guy. I love food, any kind of food analogy. I think of abortion when we talk about choice and, you know, what what people desire in their life. I think about abortion like I think about liver and onions, right? I love liver and onions. I'd eat liver and onions every single day of the week. One of my favorite dishes growing up. There are people in my family who will not eat liver and onions if you pay them. You could you could pay my I've got I've got one uncle, uh, my dad's younger brother who if you paid him a million dollars to eat liver and onions, he'd hand that money back to you. Because he, it just ain't his thing, and he does not need it in his life. He does not want it in his life. That is not how that works. But at no point has he ever tried to ban liver and onions from, from every restaurant in the state. You know, at no point has he tried to come into my house and tell me that I can't, you know, have liver and onions. Uh, there's there's kind of a sense around, well, you know, that's not for me, but I, you know, respect somebody else's choice. Somehow we just lose our mind when it comes to that bodily agency. And the big difference with that is, you know, having control over your body is a lot more important than choosing what you eat for dinner, right? I mean, being able to make choices that directly affect how your body is going to be used in the world, how your body interacts with the future, right? Reproduction is a really, really, really big deal. And the idea that we would somehow regulate how other people have to use their bodies, it's it's so foreign to me, but it's so commonly accepted among these fringe religious extremists. And another interesting thing is like, um, to use that liver and onions um, example, um, there are still people who like are like vehemently um, anti-choice, and yet some people among them uh, are the same people who are like getting, who are able to pay for their abortions and are able to get them. All and right so it's now. like they say out loud that they hate liver and onions and they mm. don't want liver and anybody to have liver and onions. Well, but then when everybody's asleep, they sneak off to the kitchen well, and they eat it. You tell it. You tell <laughs> it like no it is. Watching. Tell it like it is. Uh-huh. Oh. Eating them. Shame eating them. Liver and onions. Yeah. I, it you it know. just reminds me also, like, um, my, my husband, Jordan, he um, has some of a, a stomach issue when it comes to, like, um, pizza sauce specifically. And... Um, Often when we have a group of friends over, we'll order pizza because it's, like, a somewhat cheap and, like, easy way to feed a group of people, right? So, um, I have a couple friends who, um, um, we've all been, like, kind of monitoring ourselves, and so we, we have decided it's safe for us to see each other, um, because we are the only people we're willing to get sick for. Um, anyway, just the four of us. Uh, so, 
we were talking about we wanted to start having Uyghur nights on Sundays, and um, we wanted to have pizza next week. And um, I was like, oh, we can't have pizza because Jordan doesn't like pizza. But Jordan said, like, if we, we can have pizza, I will just get an alternative, you know? It's like, just because you can't have pizza or you don't want to have pizza doesn't mean you'll, no one else should have pizza either. Right. Or talk about how much they love pizza. Like, not only are they trying to regulate um, another person's access to abortion, which is a blessing for them, but also they're saying, like, you can't be... You can't be happy about the abortions. You can't talk about the abortions. You can't be proud of your decision to get an abortion. Um, and also, I'm going to get abortions while while nobody's looking. Well, yeah, and I I think part of part of my struggle is that um, from where I sit, you know, I'm I'm, I'm Appalachian, right? So mm-hmm. like, um, our access has been limited for a long while, and frankly. Uh, the method of choice uh, for uh, abortions provided in most of the places that I have lived in my life uh, have been self-managed abortions, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are just finding out about now. But, like, you go back into the hills and the hollers of southern Ohio, uh, there's always somebody's old granny or uh, great aunt or, you know, that woman down at the end of the road who knows how to mix up just the right kind of root and just the right kind of tea to help you out when you need some help. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting because I, the people who, who do this kind of thing, like you're, you're talking about, who, who talk bad about abortion and then they go and get one when they need one, so often when I talk to those kind of people and, and they're talking typically at me because, you know, being a pro-choice clergy, you get talked at, not talked with, um, those people will say a very particular phrase, I, and I, I, I want to make sure I lift it up, they'll say... I don't believe in abortion. And you know, I've always found that to be a very bizarre <laughs> phrase. I don't believe in abortion. Like it's the Easter Bunny or, you know, uh-huh. like Tinkerbell or something. I don't believe in abortion. It's kind of like me saying I don't believe in gallbladder surgery. Or I don't believe in knee replacements. Like, <laughs> I what, 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 what do you mean you don't believe? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you don't need to clap like, you know, poor little Tinkerbell's going to die over here if you're not over here, you know having your hands together uh that was traumatic for me as a child by the way just just side note you know the idea that tinkerbell would depend on me clapping every time you know kind of a problem but um you you know uh children of the of the 80s that's uh part of our therapy right but no people who who say i don't believe in abortion well you don't believe in abortion until you're in a position where your choice matters Right? So many people will say, I don't believe in abortion, because what they really mean to say is, I have never been in a position where my choice really mattered. That, mm-hmm. that making this decision, I didn't see this as necessarily a decision that would affect outcomes in my life or, or the life of p- potential offspring. Um, and, and hearing people stigmatize abortion in that way and i i call it the the kind of side stigma right where people say well i i don't believe in abortion or i think abortion is wrong but i wouldn't begrudge anybody else getting an abortion you know Mm -hmm. i i get why people say that i still don't like it because it's like well you know i mean if you don't think it's right uh first off nobody needs your opinion uh, about somebody else's behavior and second off 
you know, what else, what other elective surgeries don't you uh, believe are right? You know, are knee replacements wrong? Do we have some problems? Because, you know, I can find a biblical basis for discounting just about anything. I mean, from air conditioning to eyeglasses, there are prohibitions in the Bible about <laughs> all kinds of stuff that nobody mm-hmm. had any idea was going to be a, a reality in our modern day, but here we are, right? So mm-hmm. you've, you've got these these folk who really genuinely believe uh, that that abortion is a belief and not medical science, and so when you say something like "I am pro-abortion," their their eyes get real big, their head starts to. And you know, I used to be in that camp that you know I'd hear people say I'm pro-abortion, I'd think, "Ooh, I don't know, I don't know about that," because you know, for me, for for so long, abortion was this like otherworldly term. I I didn't talk to people about abortions. I didn't talk to people who had abortions. In my mind, I thought, I've never met a person who's had an abortion. And in the reality uh, of it, I was around people who had had abortions. I, you know, had people in my family who've had abortions. Um, Aunts and, uh, you know, cousins who've had abortions. People who have outwardly talked against it, but when they needed it, they found ways and financially uh, supported ways to get what they needed. And once you start talking about abortion, once you really start engaging the issue with your community, you find out, you know, actually, you have a lot more abortion experience than you think. And when you do hear those kind of stories and you, you realize that, oh, wow, my eyes have just been closed. That's, that's why I'm so anxious about this issue because I, I just haven't engaged it. You realize that saying I'm pro-abortion does not mean you're going around trying to convince people to have an abortion, right? It's like there's no such thing as an abortion evangelist, right? I mean, we're not out on the corner, but I mean, come on <laughs> down, you know, come on. You know, I mean, that's just not how that works, right? I mean... Um, you know, I'm I'm sorry, you know, have you found our, our Lord and Savior the speculum today? I don't think that's how it works, right? So the the conversation about being pro abortion is about promoting the choice to have full authority and autonomy over your body, right? It pro abortion means pro bodily autonomy. Pro abortion means pro reproductive freedom. And if you are pro a mother choosing to become a mother, if you are pro people choosing to parent children, you have got to also be pro-abortion because anybody who says I'm anti-abortion and pro-family really means that they are pro-coercive family systems. They are pro-coercion to create new life. They're they're pro-like forced birth yes they're forced birth (laughs) extremists right that's Mm -hmm. the phrase people say oh i'm pro-life no you're not you're pro forced birth right Mm -hmm. because if we were really pro-life we'd we'd be worrying about why black maternal health is you know uh, just horrendous in the state of ohio we've we've had such an outcry that they formed a black maternal health caucus the wonderful women of of uh you know the the ohio house of representatives have formed a black maternal caucus to talk about black maternal health 
right? We have, we, if, if you were really pro-life, you would care about children's health insurance and SNAP and WIC benefits, and you would care about making sure that our children in a pandemic can learn safely with universal broadband and access to the technology that they would need. But the reality is these people don't care about folk as long as they come out. They've got to be born, and after they're born, who cares about their life because that's not my problem. I, I, if like I'm pro-life and really pro-birth, right. And that is not even, like, that is not Christian at all. Like, I feel like a lot of these people use, like, Christian theology. Um, at least a lot of the people that I have seen um, use Christian theology to mm-hmm. um, promote their forced birth, sorry, forced birth ideologies, which I think from now on we should only refer to them as forced birthers. Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, and, like... It is not at all what um, I I see in um, biblical teachings of like Jesus specifically. Um, this idea of like you have to, you have to, or the the thing that's coming to mind for me is just like um, he who is not sinned cast the first stone, and like until you can say like you have not, like for the liver and onion thing, um, until you can say that you, like you have never. Th- thought about eating liver and onions and maybe like enjoyed the idea of it um the idea of like having a choice of your life if you have never thought about that ever if you always would have a baby regardless of your um circumstances regardless of uh the fact that it might kill you um then you can then you can be upset if in every circumstance you would always choose the life of a of a a fetus over your own Sure, then. And I don't think any of these these people who are pro-forced birth could say that. That they that they would give up their own life. And see, I <laughs> I love you, but I think even if they can say yes to that, they should still shut up and yeah, sit down I mean, because it ain't their yes. body and it ain't their choice. But yeah. I, I see I mean, where no, you're going. No, I see where you're going. And I, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> like, when I'm thinking of a biblical passage yeah. that relates, there's that. I mean, I'm, I'm exactly, like... Yeah. You, you never get the, the opportunity to have, have a choice over my body and my decisions. But if you're going to look to scripture, you, then You'd here, better be consistent, right? You better be yeah. real consistent. Yeah. You better be, like, the, the most uh, willing to... You, you better be adopting every single baby. You better be... Uh, if you get pregnant, and regardless of how much of a risk on your life it might be, or how poor you might be or whatever situation you're in, um, you have to have that baby <laughs> um, and you can't give it up. <laughs> and you better be supporting like every mother who needs support or every family that needs support. Absolutely. You better be out here doing the absolute most. Um, otherwise, I do not want to hear it. And I never, I never want to hear it. But like, also, yeah. And 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 you got to you got to find some humor in the fact that particularly Christians. And I, you know, I'll I'll get back in a minute um, why why we're focused on Christians right now. But you know, the Christians who promote forced birth policies the most also happen to be the Christians who are hardest on bans of any kind of birth control. Now, you can't tell me that you don't want people to have access to birth control and you don't want people to have access to 
you know, a full range of reproductive health care and reproductive freedom options like abortion, and then turn around and tell me that you're for responsibility. That's not how that works, because people take responsibility in all kinds of ways. I think the struggle, though, is what you, you shared, Kelly, is that often uh, we see this argument couched in religious and particularly Christian religious language. And I, I think that's that's important for us to remember because very, very, very rarely do you see people of other religious traditions out in front of clinics hurling insults at people and screaming and yelling and hollering. You have uh, most of the time, you know, just to uh, put the hay down where the goats can get it, as my grandmother would say, most of the time you have Catholic believers and fundamentalist evangelical believers. Uh, who are out there. I, I had a dear friend of mine once say, you know why, uh, and she's she's a Jewish rabbi, she said, you know why Jesus didn't say anything uh, negative about abortion, don't you? And I said, well, why? And she said, well, because Jesus wasn't a fundamentalist Christian. Jesus was a Jew. And I found, I found great joy in that because, you know, in Judaism, uh, this conversation around bodily autonomy is rooted primarily in a, an ethic of life that respects the autonomy of the person above and beyond any strictures that, that come. That is, you know, there's an idea that the person has the best idea of how they should exercise their freedom and make their choice. And so, you know, it, most of our Jewish friends, there's not a controversy around abortion because abortion is not viewed uh, with the same kind of dogmatic baggage that we have inherited from, you know, some of our Christian sects. Uh, the other piece in that I think that's interesting is to note that when a Christian church teaches something, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of their, uh, all of their adherents believe it. You know, if you take a look at birth control usage in the Catholic Church, it's still about 75-78% of Catholics use birth control even though uh, the Church teaches against it. Uh, you find similar acceptance numbers, uh, you know, among evangelicals and, and different groups around abortion. Again, like you've said, when it comes to them. You know, when when they're sitting out eating the liver and onions at night when nobody else is watching, you know, when, when they have a problem or they have an issue uh, that, that uh, they need to take care of, somehow they always find a way to get to uh, that work. Some of my friends who are clinic escorts uh, have shared that their, their most profound moments, if you are a clinic escort for enough time, you know, a year, year and a half, two years typically, um, you get to your first day that you see a protester who usually is out hurling insults at you come into the clinic as a patient. You know, that is a profound day in the life of an escort when one of the people who has been hurling insults at you and at patients for days upon days upon days all of a sudden needs the care that's provided there and it amazes me because these escorts are just such a fantastic creation. They're a fantastic blessing in the world. You talk about abortions a blessing, clinic escorts are blessings because those clinic escorts to a person, every one of them say, and we treat that person with the same dignity and respect and privacy that we treat anybody else. And often after that person receives their care, they come back 
and stand again as a protester and they shout and these clinic escorts keep that secret they keep that quiet they keep that that boundary because it is so important in the life of that clinic and the life of that person that their care be holy and that their care be be sacrosanct there um I, I really do believe abortion's a blessing. I, I believe it's a blessing for those who need it. I believe it's a blessing for those who choose something else. I, I believe it, it blesses because it gives true agency and true options to people so that they can make the best decision for their life. You know, that's, that's profound to have that, that kind of uh, ability, that power within yourself that God has gifted you with enough. Enough power, enough joy, enough strength, enough resources to be able to make a good life. That truly is blessing, right? Mm -hmm. Truly is. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, um, I know we're we're probably going to be wrapping up here in a, in a minute or two, but... Um, one thing that when you were talking about the clinic escorts and um, the, the people who were protesters and then come in as patients, um, I recently read Shameless by Nadia Bolt-Weber, yes. which I would um, very much so recommend. And one thing that she talks about in there is like grace, um, the, the, the crappy thing about grace, I don't think that's the language she uses, but that's the language I'm going to use. Um, the crappy thing about grace is that... Um, for grace to be grace, it has to be the same for me as it is for you. Mm. And that means that if I go to heaven and um, I sit next to a racist cop, then, like, you know, that's grace. And I have to accept that. Um, but when you when you talk about these clinic escorts, you know, rec um, holding that space for the protesters that become patients, um, I, I see that as, <clears throat> as grace. And um, I definitely agree that, like, abortion is a blessing to um whoever regardless of if, what they say um on the on the outside like having the option of having abortion there is a blessing because you never know when you might need it absolutely absolutely yeah. kelly it's been great to be with you uh, yeah. again in this place uh we yeah. we're Every other week we are together and ohiorcrc.org. You can check out uh, the podcast there and pick up on any missed episodes or go back and listen to your favorite episode again. Um, yep. There are occasionally podcast exclusives uh, that are uh, listed on there that aren't played on the radio. You can definitely check out our blog. Again, ohiorcrc.org. All that content's there. Find us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever uh, your social media is, we are there. Uh, Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. If we can think of other names to add to the end, I'm sure we will. <laughs> and this is yeah. the end for us, though. So until next time, friends, be well. <laughs> Bye.